This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. So good to see everybody today. What's up, everybody? Emmanuel, it's a great day to be together as a church, and uh, I love worshiping together. Isn't that a powerful moment when we just get to worship and Jesus shows up, and uh, it's the best thing ever? We're on our second week of the Messiah series we're looking at. Of course, this coming week is Good Friday, and Easter Resurrection Sunday is coming this next week, and uh, we're excited about it, but we're looking at why is it a big deal? In reality, Jesus is a bigger deal than most people think he is. He's a, he's a really big deal, and if you look at the scripture, we can follow the breadcrumbs of, of the biblical history all the way back in the Bible. If you go back to the beginning of Genesis, you'll discover that there were prophecies written just about Jesus and how he would put his foot on the head of the serpent and destroy sin, death, hell, and the grave, and of course he'll raise from the dead and have the keys of death, hell, and the grave in his hands for us. But how do you understand the totality of who Jesus is without looking at the scripture and looking back at the Old Testament? Because you see, as you you move through the, the Bible, you'll discover that there are prophecies or like movie previews of a future figure that would come that would rescue people from their sin. And talk about the Messiah, Messiah meaning the anointed one. It also means, and that's in Hebrew, in Greek it means the Christ. So Christ and Messiah are the same thing. So when you hear Jesus Christ, you're hearing Jesus Messiah, the anointed one. So why is Jesus the Christ or Jesus the Messiah a big deal? Well, as the Old Testament moves along in, in world history and biblical history, we discover that there are a lot of great leaders that come and tell people what to do and how to lead well, but there was only one capital T-H-E, the anointed one, Jesus, who they would look forward to that would rescue people from their sin and establish a kingdom that is different than any other kingdom. In fact, it, it, one of the prophecies was about how he would be born. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 it says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So there was a preview of times to come, and of course when Jesus would be born someday, it would happen just as those prophecies said it would. There are tons of messianic prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus to come. But there were also years and years of silence, and the people of Israel waited for hundreds of years for this special Messiah to come hoping that he would deliver them from their oppressors, for they had the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the Romans that came. And they they were looking for the one that would overthrow their oppressors, but Jesus came not to overthrow their oppressors in the way that they thought. It was in a different way. For Jesus' kingdom was bigger than the kingdoms of this day in this world. And time went by, and still the Messiah and the prophecies all were written, but nothing showed up. And there were 400 years before, b- between the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the first book of the New Testament, Matthew. In those 400 years, there were 400 years of silence. And then Jesus finally is born to a virgin, just as Isaiah had said. 
But then we don't really know him publicly until 30 years into his life. In fact, Luke chapter 3, verse 23 says Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. In other words, there was silence still for all those years, and then he chooses to go public. He goes public by being baptized in the water, and then God, by the Spirit, sends him into the wilderness where he fasts and prays for 40 days, and he beats the enemy with the Word of God. It's always a good thing to do, by the way. You beat the enemy with the Word of God. And then he comes out, and the very first thing he does publicly after all of those big moments, baptism and then being in the wilderness, is he goes into his hometown synagogue or church in Nazareth. And he walks into the temple and he, he sits down and they bring him something to preach from. And it was a scroll. And this obviously was not a scroll, but this visualizes it. He preaches from Isaiah, another of the prophecies of, of the Messiah. And in Luke chapter 4, it talks about him reading from that. Go there with me. In Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 18, it says, When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. And the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me, remember anointed one is the Messiah. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. That the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And he rolled up the scroll and he handed it back to the attendant and he sat down. And all the eyes of the synagogue looked at him intently and then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. So one of the major messianic prophecies, and there are others that we'll talk about this week on Good Friday of Isaiah 53, but this is coming from Isaiah 61. It's a great messianic prophecy. Jesus reads it in public, and then he sits down, and he said, it's done. I'm the Messiah. That's really what he was saying. He's saying, there isn't any, going to be anybody else after me. I'm it. I'm the one that the scripture talks about. Now, what Jesus did back then, he is still doing today. Hebrews says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So what you want to know is, and I want you to hear today, is that Jesus the Messiah was not just a historic figure, but Jesus the, the Messiah is still active today. And he's doing the things talked about in the scripture that he read from Isaiah 61. Let me give you four things that Jesus is still doing that you and I need to catch. The first one is this. Jesus is still bringing hope. He still brings hope. He says, He's anointed to bring good news to the poor, all right? Good news to the poor. Who is the poor? It's not a financial declaration that he's speaking. He's not talking about how much money is in your bank account. It's a recognition that things are missing. Something is missing, training or access to information. Some people have gone through identity theft, if you will, and they're missing something. They lack confidence. And when you live in a state of lack, you begin to lose hope. 
And when you are born in a state of lack and your parents don't have hope, you don't know what hope is. And Jesus came to say to people in every nation of the earth, in every socioeconomic standing, there is hope in my kingdom. He was announcing that his hope was accessible to anyone and everyone. There were people in Jesus' day that have been overlooked or uncared for and simply forgotten. And Jesus steps in and he says, I see you. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I see you. (laughs) See, Jesus didn't come to the earth just to say, here I am, worship me. Jesus came to bring hope to people who did not have hope. He noticed the overlooked, the hidden ones, the ones going through silent pain. How many know the, 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 the pain and the struggle that most of us face is all up here? Nobody knows about it out here. You can have a smile on your face. You can have, do up your hair in the morning, whatever you do with your hair explosion when you wake up and you, you beautify it. You can make everyone, you can... Dress up your Instagram photos, whatever you want to do. But there still might be a battle going on in the inside. And Jesus steps in and says, other people don't see it, but I see it. I see you and I have come to bring hope to that place that you don't think anybody cares about or notices. There are people in Jesus' day that were that way and there are people in 2021 that are just that way. And not only does Jesus bring hope, but Jesus is the carrier of the good news. Jesus is your Uber driver. He's your mailman. He's your Amazon deliverer. Come on, somebody. He's the one that brings it to you. He isn't waiting for someone else to bring it. He brings it to you everywhere Jesus went. You see Jesus meeting the overlooked and the forgotten. He's walking through the Gospels, and you can read his stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he's noticing the children. He notices Zacchaeus in a tree. He notices people. He he notices women, men didn't notice women. Come on, somebody. He takes care of people who are Gentiles and on the outside and overlooked. He notices people. And he's not interested in you missing out on the package of hope today. What is Jesus still doing? Secondly, Jesus is still freeing the captives. Jesus is still freeing the captives. It says in there in the text in Luke chapter 4, he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. Release for the captives. A captive is someone who is taken away from their home and imprisoned to a land that is not their home. There are different kind of captives today. People who are meant to live with a different purpose, born for something different. Something stole them away. Something stole you away. It was just a couple years ago on October 15, 2018, that Jamie Kloss's parents were fatally shot in her barren Wisconsin home before the killer bound her and duct taped her and then placed her in the trunk of the vehicle that, and then drove off. And she was held captive for nearly three months in a remote cabin about 70 miles north of her home with her abductor. But on January 10th, 2019, her captor told her that he was leaving the cabin for five or six hours and she escaped. Summoned the help of a woman who was walking her dog. 
And the woman then took Jamie to a neighbor's house and the neighbor called, dialed 911 and said, hey, I have a young lady at my house right now and she says her name is Jamie Kloss. And the neighbor told the, the dispatcher soon after, Jamie was rescued. She was rescued. Now how many remember that story? I, and it's happening all the time, and Jesus is rescuing people that are human trafficked. There are people rescuing people all the time. But that's the work of Jesus. Jesus not only does it himself, but he does it through us. And he involves everyone in the process. That woman that was walking her dog didn't know what she was going to run into that day. But she was a part of setting the captives free. Are you hearing what I'm saying? She got to be a part of the story. Did you know that the preacher isn't the only one called to set the captives free in 2021? But Jesus uses everybody in the body of Christ. He uses where you work, the people you live with, the people you're related to. He uses all of us to be a part of the captives being set free. But if you are one that's in captivity, you're away from your purpose. You were meant to be more than you are. You are a part of what Jesus said the thief did in John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy stole something from you, but Jesus came that you might have life. Some event might have taken you away from the person that you were meant to be. You were meant to love others. You were meant to dream big and do big. You were meant to invest your life in other people. You are meant to have a strong marriage, come on. But decisions of others, or are perhaps your decisions, have taken you away. Some people are depressed and they're captive and away from a peaceful and optimistic mindset. And by the way, the whole world has been thrown into captivity in the last 12 months. We've gone somewhere else than we wanted to be. And Jesus comes to set us free. Fear keeps people in captivity, but Jesus releases us from fear. I love what John 16, Jesus says this. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth, and you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, ever said take heart, because I have overcome the world. Jesus is overcome, and the oppressed will be set free. It's not just those in captivity, you notice that in Luke chapter uh, 4, but also in Isaiah 61, that it's the oppressed that are set free. Oppression is something done to you. Sometimes it's chains on you, things holding you down. Jesus came to break the chains. Jesus came to set you free. We have a whole generation of people that are participating in the demonic and they don't even know it. They don't even know what the scripture says about consulting demons. And they've opened windows and doors through media and other things. And they've let it in. Some people let it in when they're underneath a drug. And they allow the demonic into their life. And they're wondering why crazy things are happening. You look at me like, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm just telling you, in the last six months, I have run into more young people. They have no idea why they got crazy things going on in their head and they're seeing things move in their house and other things going on. Did you know that Jesus came to set the oppressed free? You don't have to live under the, uh, the hand of the enemy. Jesus came to crush the serpent's head. If you've got the demonic going on in your life, you need to bring yourself to Jesus and let him set you free in Jesus' name. And the one he sets free is free indeed. Come on, somebody.
The oppressed will be set free. Demonic oppression that was handed to you and maybe it wasn't your fault, he'll set you free. Jesus will also use all of us to set others free, to rescue. I love the picture that I showed a moment ago of the city where there's signs everywhere, welcome home, Jamie. Welcome home, Jamie. You know what the dream of my dream is for our church? That we all have signs, welcome home, when people start coming home. People start coming to church. They didn't know this was home. Maybe they've never even been here before. But they start finding Jesus. And because you brought them to church on Easter Sunday. Come on, somebody. You didn't come to church for yourself. You weren't just thinking about the meal you had later on or the people that were invited over. You were thinking, who can I get to church on Sunday? And when they give their life to Jesus, you're like, welcome home. Welcome home, Jamie. Welcome home. Come on back. That's what Jesus is still doing. Can I get an amen, church? The third thing that Jesus is still doing is Jesus is still healing the broken. Still healing the broken. Jesus quotes from Isaiah 61. And by the way, when you see quotes in the New Testament of the Old Testament, I encourage you to go back and look at the whole context of the whole verse. Sometimes Jesus gives kind of like Twitter excerpts of the Old Testament. And if you look back at the whole of Isaiah 61, you'll see that there are some interesting things that Jesus does with the text. And by the way, Jesus is called the living word of God. John chapter 1 says he is the word of God. So he was a part of all of the Old Testament, and when he speaks, he knows what he meant. Come on, somebody. So if you look back at at Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, just like it does when he's reading it in Luke 4. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Newsflash, that verse, that phrase was not in the Luke 4 passage. Jesus is also saying these things. So the fullness of what he's talking about, comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives and be released and prisoners will be freed. See, Jesus notices the broken and comforts the brokenhearted. He notices what's going on in the inside. He doesn't pass by those in grief, in pain, or in turmoil. He notices them, and he expands it beyond that. In fact, when you read it in, in, in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus now also adds another phrase in there that wasn't, you don't see in Isaiah 61. He says this, that the blind will see. That the blind, the, that the anointing would cause blind people to see. Physical sight. And you'll see it in the Gospels when Jesus would go and he healed several blind people. One time he spit in the, the dirt and put the mud on there and, and the guy says, I see men as trees. And he did it again and then he saw cl- clearly. But Jesus came and he fulfilled that scripture that supernatural things would happen. In fact, Jesus comes to heal everyone who is sick. Now, I don't understand why, why some people trusting in healing get it and some people don't. Someday I'll ask him. All I know is I want everything he's got. So if that's a possibility, I want it. And I'm going to come to Jesus for it because I'm not going to get it anywhere else. All right, so when you come to church and we begin to worship Jesus the Messiah, we're not just worshiping a good story from 2,000 years ago. We're worshiping the one that can take your back and heal it. He's the one that knows how to fix what's going wrong in your blood system. He knows how to take care of those things that we can't take care of ourselves. 
all right? But I want to take it one step further because blindness is also a metaphor for how we see internally. What our vision looks like, our optimism for the future, what we think of. Somewhere along the way, we can lose it and we can be leaky vessels. Where we lose our optimism for the future. We don't have personal dreams for our lives or for our families or for our business or for our communities. Life can be hard, can it? Things can happen to us where we feel as though our get up and go got up and went. That somehow something is missing in our story. And Jesus comes to open the blind eyes of our soul as well. That we can see people differently. We can forgive again. We can love again. We can care again. We can give again. We can serve again. We can do what Jesus has called us to do. He restores the sight of the blind. And if you are broken and you have the pain of rejection or the scars of divorce and hurt that shut down your optimism, I want you to know Jesus won't just heal your pain. He'll restore your future. He'll restore your future. So like I said at the beginning, that we are released into purpose. It's not just that we get out of jail. We get out of jail to go do something. That there is a future that Jesus has planned for us. Jesus has done that. We talk about something in our growth track. And I want everybody to go through growth track, even if you've been at church for 25 years. Because it's about who we are in the community and the culture we are as a church. And I encourage you to go through. How many of you have been through growth track? Let me just see your hands. I'm just curious. If you haven't yet, I encourage you to sign up. We've got another one coming here in April. And you can sign up online. It's a really big deal. We talk about in growth track our mission statement here at Emmanuel. What are we about? Why do we exist? And uh, what we exist for is for everyone to know Jesus, grow together, and live with purpose. In fact, is that on the screen right now? All right, I want you to say it out loud with me. You ready? For everyone to know Jesus, grow together, and live with purpose. So everyone to know Jesus. We want everybody to know Jesus, not just as a historic figure, a religious statue, or something that people talk about, or a swear word. Hello. We want people to know the fullness of who Jesus is. Did you know Jesus came to save us, but he also came to give us a life? that he is also called the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. There are other things that come beyond salvation. You have the promise of Jesus, and we are pursuing him together for everyone to know Jesus. We also say that we are to grow together. One of the things that we believe here at Emmanuel, and I believe this firmly in my soul, is that theater religion won't cut it. We need, we need circles, not rows. We need to be connected to other believers. There's something about that. In two weeks, I'm going to begin a brand new series called Redwood Faith. You guys have perhaps heard me talk about redwood trees and redwood faith around here before. Well, I'm finally going to do a series about it in a couple weeks, in two weeks from today. And uh, I'm going to encourage everybody. We're going to have a small group curriculum because I went out already and shot a video in the redwood forest. It was like dream come true. I felt like I was on the Star Wars set or something. It was awesome. But uh, I have four sessions that I'd love for every person in our church to, to be involved in our groups coming up. And you can start a group yourself. 
If you don't already have one, you can pull some friends together and we'll help you out with that. You can sign up online for that. You can, we also have a, a, a lobby number two over here. We've got a table of resources set up for that. I encourage you to do that today. And our campus pastors also have more information for that today. But I just want to encourage you, get in a group because growing together helps you grow closer to Jesus. Something happens when we gather here. You know, this last year, we've been through a pandemic where believers have been separated from one another. You know what the consequence of that is? Growth sometimes. Now, I do think a different kind of growth could happen because the shaking has taken all the crud and gotten out of us, and we find out what's really left behind. But I'm just telling you this, we need each other. And when you worship together, something happens that moment you come back to your first Sunday and you're worshiping with other believers and you feel God in the house. Why is that? You sing the same songs on your iPod with your headphones or driving down the street. What's the difference? All y'all's the difference. We need each other. There's something about growing together. It's fundamental to spiritual growth. You need spiritual friendships. You need it. It's a part of our story, and it's important for us. If you're going to know Jesus, and he's still healing the broken, then the way he does it isn't just through the preacher on Sunday morning. It's also through the believers in the room. It's also through your sisters and brothers as we go through life together. And then we live with purpose. And that was really the end of the mission statement, to live with purpose. Your Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays are meant to be valuable to God, but valuable to you. You weren't just rescued to just go to church every week. You were rescued to participate in what Jesus wants to do in the Monday. When you go to school or you go to work, you were rescued to connect the dots. And some of you are like, what does my job have to do with the kingdom of God? Everything. You are called salt and light, meant to be where God has called you to be. And you've got to allow Jesus to let his purpose, when you get up in the morning, you have a purpose to do what Jesus wants you to do that day. He might want you to talk to somebody. He might want you just to be a living example of truth around a bunch of people that just aren't living that way. But whatever it is, your life matters. Turn to the person next to you and say, you matter. I went a little longer on that than I thought it was going to go today because I just felt like God was saying to the people of God, Hey, listen, you need the church, but the church needs to be the church outside of the church. That we need to be that. We need to have that living example of what Jesus is still doing. The last thing is this. Jesus is still speaking the year of his favor over your world. He came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know what God's favor is? It's his smile. It's his smile. In Numbers chapter 6, the great priestly blessing of Aaron over the people was, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. You know, depending on how you grow up, you view God's love and his smile differently. Some people, when they grow up, everything that they do works, and their parents are proud of them, they love them, and they get that kind of sense of affirmation from their parents. But there are a whole chunk of others of us that didn't have that experience. We were overlooked, and somebody didn't speak life into us, and we don't think that God's on our side. Some of us have the idea that God the Father is up there with a big old baseball bat waiting for us to mess up. But that's simply not true to what the scriptures talk about. 
Really what God is, is God is a father who loves every one of his kids, even you, come on. And he's into you. It's an image of delight, the smile of God, the, 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 I'm into you. It's the groom at the end of the aisle. As everybody else has gone by, but now the bride is coming. There's a big old smile on the face now. That's my girl. And baby, if he ain't smiling like that, don't marry him. <laughs> it's a parent at a ball game, and the kid is swinging the bat and misses, but the parent goes, that was a great swing. It's just believe in that smile, that interest, that deep passion. That's how the father heart of God is. In fact, the scripture says he's searching to and fro, looking for people who he can encourage. He's looking for us. And the favor of God is not only does he look at us, but he gives us everything he's got. When we feel empty, we feel poor in spirit, we feel outside the loop, we feel overlooked. He doesn't just look our way and see us. He joins us and says, all my kingdom is yours. I'm interested in you and I'm for you and I want good things for you. And his love is so overwhelming that the scripture says his kindness leads us to repentance. Sometimes in our heart we wander away from God and we do what's wrong. And how many know when you do what's wrong there are consequences to doing what's wrong? You read the word of God, there's consequences to sin. Sin is a real thing. It destroys your soul and it destroys your relationships. But if you could, in the middle of your sin, if you can glimpse the Father looking your direction, who sent his one and only Son to you, if you can see his love for you, you will be overwhelmed enough to bow your knee and repent of your sin and turn away from it because of his kindness and his favor. You know what 2021 needs to hear in a, a year of canceling? For every mistake, People are getting canceled. They need to hear a different gospel, the gospel of truth, the gospel of Jesus, the gospel that says, yes, you messed up, but if you bow your knee before me, you turn your heart toward me, I will give you everything I have, everything. Jesus gives his favor, and wherever he goes, he speaks hope and healing in purpose into a world without it. His favor is creating a different kind of community than anyone had ever seen in the face of turmoil in the world around us. People are gathering as a church that were opposites politically, opposites ethnically, opposites socioeconomically. But when we come together, we're not all the same. We go to different jobs and stratospheres and neighborhoods. We're different from each other. But the beauty of a house of prayer for all nations is that Jesus calls us all together. And the one thing we have in common, his name is Jesus. He is our commonality. He is what pulls us together. He is our hope. He is our life. This Easter, the, our world is not going to get saved by Washington, D.C. It's not going to come from some economic forecast. Our hope is in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That's who he is. He's the anointed one. 
He's the anointed one this week. I went out to Michigan, flew out to Michigan to see my friend Lee, Pastor Lee Cummings, who's spoken here several times. Very, my closest spiritual friend that I just, I love getting together with him. So I flew out there, I spoke for his staff chapel and stuff. But when I was flying into Grand Rapids, the place where I grew up, I was flying in, we were circling the city, and I looked down, and my high school years, we, we lived just a mile from the airport, and so um, I, I'm seeing sites that I actually lived in and drove by, and restaurants and all those spaces, and it was unlocking memories. You ever go through your own hometown or old places and it unlocks memories? Remember what we did here? Well, I can remember some of the bad things I did, hello. <laughs> But then I also had God speaking to me because I had my AirPods in and I was listening to worship and, and I've got my mask on, but I'm looking out the window. And God begins to speak to me and remind me of that time between my junior and senior high school when Jesus got a hold of my life. And I was on a youth group trip and church bus broke down and there was a whole revival that happened and I met Jesus, Jesus met me. I can remember for hours just weeping in the presence of the Lord, by myself, in my bedroom. In fact, nowadays I just say, that's when I got saved, saved. I mean, there's a difference between getting saved and saved, saved. I got saved, saved that day. And uh, God's just reminded me of that as I look out the window and I got tears running down my face on, here on the, the Delta flight that I'm on. <laughs> Thank God for masks, nobody could tell I was crying. And it was so special because I was remembering this is the last year that I can say 40 and none of your business years old. And I'm remembering 49 years of faithfulness. And God speaks to me, he says, my favor's on you for that 50th coming up. My favor's gonna be on the next decade. It's gonna be on the decade after that. Because as long as Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah is in my life, I get the promises spoken over my life, spoken over my marriage, spoken over my kids, spoken over my grandkids, spoken over my city. Come on, somebody. We are in the middle of a moment where Jesus speaks his favor over all of our lives. Would you stand with me today? I want to read to you from Isaiah 61. We're going to worship together. And I encourage you to get a little bit crazy with your worship today. Because Jesus does something with people that have had the praise taken from them. When he read from Isaiah 61, I'm going to read Isaiah 61 a few more verses than Jesus did in Luke chapter 4. It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a beauty, a crown of beauty for ashes a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. 
in their righteousness. They will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago, and they will revive them though they have been deserted for many generations. I love this because Jesus speaks that in real time. What is Jesus the Messiah still doing? He's still doing it today. If we look to him, Jesus the Messiah wants to sweep through this room, through your marriage, through your mind, through the things that you've been worried about. Jesus wants to step in and sweep through your soul. Listen, if you can worship Jesus, worship him as the Messiah, not just some little picture that you have from your childhood, but think of Jesus as the Messiah in real time, stepping into your story, speaking his words of favor over your life, healing your broken soul, healing your broken body allowing Jesus the Messiah in real time right now saying Jesus I recognize you as my Lord my Savior but you're so much more than I know I want more of who you are I want to experience you in all your glory in all your forgiveness and all your kindness and all your loving kindness thank you for listening to Emmanuel today You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details.